Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Today, I am really excited. For the next five weeks, we're beginning a brand new collection called Jesus and Money. And I am so excited for this one. I'm looking forward to it. I I think if you have worry about money, anxiety about money, struggle with money, this series is for you. Uh, And I love preaching and teaching uh, concepts that relate to all of us, right? If I, if I did a series on marriage, it would hit some of us, but man, you know, some of us aren't married, so like, hey, I, what do I get out of that one? So this one, listen, if you're an adult, you deal with money, right? So this one is really going to be relevant for all of us, uh, and I'm, I'm excited. I think you're going to leave the next five weeks really strengthened and encouraged, and hopefully you leave change than when you came in. And, you know, that's what we all believe for as we gather, that we not just get together and have a fun time, but that we experience transformation from God's Word. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay the same. And I'm not maybe where I exactly need to be, but I'm not where I was 20 years ago when I first started following Jesus. There's this process of transformation, uh, and so that's exciting. Uh, Also in the back there is my lovely wife. Look at that. She got to put the kids in kids ministry, and so I'm just going to call her out today. She gets gets to be here. If you don't know us, we have twin toddlers, so we never sleep. We believe in coffee and Jesus. Amen. It's great. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for today. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, now, a couple disclaimers here before we start the next five weeks. Uh, typically, I feel like when churches start talking uh, about, about generosity or giving or money or finances, uh, they're either A, doing a fundraiser, or B, they're in trouble. So I get to tell you this morning that we are not doing a fundraiser, uh, and we've actually had the best financial year we've ever had as a church. And so why don't you give God some glory for that and praise. Uh, so we get to do a series about money, not really for our benefit uh, this, the next five weeks, but for your benefit. Uh, what, what, what we do believe in a very core and a very real way is that we believe that Jesus has called us as a church to make disciples. And Jesus said, he goes, teach people to obey everything I've commanded you, right? And he's like, go baptize people, tell people about me, and then teach them everything I, I've said to you. And, and so for us, this is a part of discipleship. It's actually a major part of discipleship. Jesus says 11 out of 40 parables were about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. That's kind of an eye-opening thing, right? Like, he, it's, it's significant. He talked about it a lot because he understood our relationship with money, right? If you're an adult, you have a relationship with money. It's a real dynamic in your life, and Jesus understood the reality of that. Ever since humanity left the caves and the woods, and we started this thing called civilization, we needed this thing called money, right? Paying publics as much money as I do every single month is annoying, but it is better than grabbing a spear and killing an alligator in the Everglades to feed my family, okay? So it is, it's, I like civilization. It is better than just trying to, to hunt for my living, right? So we all need this wild thing called money. Now, money is not good, nor is it evil. It's actually amoral, right? It, it'll do whatever you send it to do. If you send money to do something good and help someone, it will accomplish that. If you send money to do something evil, it will accomplish that. Money simply amplifies who you are on the inside. Money doesn't really define you, but it does kind of determine what you're able to do and get done. And so we all have this relationship 
with money. It's relevant for all of us, and I think it's going to be a good five weeks. I want to start out today, if I had to title this message today, I would call it A Tale of Two Kings. A Tale of Two Kings. And if you're taking notes, go ahead and and get your notes out this morning and write this. I would call it A Tale of Two Kings. Money makes a great servant. Money makes a terrible master. It makes a great servant. It, It makes a terrible master. You and I, I firmly believe this, were designed to love God and love people. We're designed to serve God and serve people. We were never designed to love money and just serve money. Money makes a great servant. It makes a terrible master. Jesus said in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I find it fascinating here that Jesus did not say you can't serve God and the devil. He said you can't serve God and money. Money has the ability, it seems, to rival God in our hearts more than anything else. Money has the sneaky little ability to rival God. And why is that, right? Well, because we say, oh, I trust Jesus, but perhaps in our heart what we really trust is money, right? Oh, yeah, I pursue God, but perhaps in our hearts we really just pursue money, right? There's something sneaky about it, how it kind of creeps in all of our hearts. The temptation, I guess, if you will, to make money not just a resource, but the source, And money promises something that really only God can deliver on, right? Money says, get me and you'll get security. But really only God can make you dwell in in safety. Money says, get me and I'll give you an identity and a status. When really the Bible says promotion and purpose comes from, from God, right? Right? So money says, get me and I'll make your dreams come true. When in reality, God said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Right? So money makes a promise that only God can deliver on. I think this is why Jesus kind of cuts right to the heart. He goes, guys, let me pause and stop everybody right here and let you know you can only either serve God or money, but you can't serve us both. You're going to end up loving one and hating the other. Money makes a great servant, but it makes a terrible master. What happens when you and I turn money into our master? What happens is we start loving money and we start using people. See, if I, if I love God and I love people, then I use money to serve people. But if I love money, I start using people to serve money. I, I, get it, I get it switched around. A lot of Christians misquote this, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, money's the root of all evil. The Bible actually doesn't say that, right? Money's not good, nor is it evil. I've seen some very wealthy people be very, very generous and very, very godly. You can have a lot of money and be very holy and very generous, And I've seen a lot of people with a very little bit of money and a very little bit of margin, and they're really greedy. Money has total control of their hearts and their lives, and they can't give a dime because they're always trying to chase money. So you can have a little and be greedy. You can have a lot and be generous, right? There was a time in the church world where we kind of preached, well, you had to be poor to be holy. You really don't, right? I don't think God cares if we have money. I think he cares when money has us. The Bible says it's the love of money is the root of all evil. 
When I love money, then I'm willing to use people to get money to serve my real master. Because I don't love people. I don't love God. I love money, right? So now I get all my priorities. And, and the Bible says that's the root of all evil. When you look at a lot of the evils in the world, you look at a lot of the, a lot of the ways that greed runs society or humanity, and you look at a lot of the really evil things we're willing to do to each other, a lot of times it's over money. Someone is benefiting, and so we're willing to just use people to get money. So Jesus cussed the heart. He says, actually, it's the, it's the love of money, man, is, is the root of all evil. Actually, in First in, in Timothy, right, it says that, that people stray from the faith and they pierce themselves with many sorrows trying to serve and to chase, to chase money, right? I don't know about you, but you ever gotten sick with your prayer life sometimes? But you ever, you ever get tired of yourself sometimes when you're praying? Like I do sometimes where I'm like, God, I'm just gonna stop praying about money for like a month. Like I just, I like, like I, I get in rut sometimes where I'm like, God, we need this and we need that and we need this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pause and I'm going to remind myself, God is not a genie. Come on, somebody. Like he's my father. Like this is not a casino. This is not a slot machine. This is not something I check in. God's aware of my needs before I talk about it. And I'm just going to shut up for a second. God knows I live in South Florida. He knows what my Publix bill is, okay? He knows the mortgage. He knows the rent. He knows the car payment. He, he knows, and I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to be like, thank you, God, for another week. You're working right now behind the scenes. You're doing something I don't know is coming. You can bless me any way you want to bless me. I'm just going to be quiet and chill for a little bit. And am I the only one? You're all too holy. I know. I, I know. I'm the only one that prays about money. I get it. I know. But, but, it, but it, it's like sometimes like I just, I just want to pause, I don't want my whole faith to be about money. I don't want my faith to be about my needs. Come on, right? Like, this is good for all of us. Like, God, I want to disconnect for a second and just love on you and thank you for Jesus. And if all you ever gave me was Jesus, that's enough. You don't have to give me anything like, thank you for Jesus and saving me and rescuing me. That's good. Thank you for filling me with life. I don't need anything else. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm on a camp on this for a second. Like, like, I don't need anything else. If this is all it is, this is great. I'm content. Contentment is kind of a lost art in the modern world, in, the, in our faith a little bit. All right, let me, I'm not going to meddle too much. I'm going to talk about contentment later, but let me go on. I, I love this verse in Proverbs. Don't wear yourself out to get riches. Have the wisdom to show some restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. What's the Bible saying? Money is up and down. The stock market is up and down. Crypto is up and is gone. You can be a millionaire and be broke, and it's fast. Money sprouts wings, and it flies away. And Jesus is well aware we all need money. It takes money to live. He gets that. But I don't want to spend my whole life chasing money. In 2008, there was a massive crash, right? Some of you maybe were working at that point. Some of you maybe were in school. But 2008, 2009, man, the economy crashed hard. My wife and I felt it. We just stepped out of our first youth pastor uh, position, and we started like kind of a traveling ministry. We were doing missions. We were doing media. Every week we were in a different city, and we just started this brand-new ministry, and, and the economy crashed. And I think we lost, like, what, 70% of our partners or something, like, in two months. It was crazy. 
I mean, it was really probably one of the hardest seasons of my life where I'm like trusting God like every month. I'm like, God, I'm so broke. I can't even pay attention right now. You know what I'm saying? Like even the cockroaches moved out. Jesus, there ain't nothing here. Like we are really struggling right now. And, and so it was a really, really challenging season for me. And, and I'm like, how are we ever going to make this work? Like, how is this ever going to fit and come together? And, and I was stressed, and I wanted to read a few stats because it was really just shocking. But 8.8 million jobs were lost, like almost overnight. Unemployment spiked 10%. 8 million home foreclosures in that, in that year. $19 trillion lost in household income. $19 trillion just gone, right? I mean, it was one of those things where money got wings and it just flew away, right? It was, it was so hard. It, it, was, it was so challenging. But I remember in, in that time where, where there were businessmen, they, they had to start guarding the bridges because businessmen started jumping off of bridges because they were so distraught that they had nothing left to live for and, and they're committing suicide. Well, how does a person get to that point? When money is your master and your master fails, what else do you have? When money is your God and your God fails, what else do you do? Money makes a great servant. It makes a terrible God. It makes a terrible master. It's great to love God and use money. It's terrible to love money and use people. Because when it's gone, what do you do? Oh, come on, y'all. We serve a God. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When things are good, when they're bad, when they're up, when they're down, I will walk with you through the entirety of this thing called life, and I will be with you. Money's with you, and then money's gone. Money doesn't care about you. God loves you with an everlasting love. So in my heart, do I love money or do I love God? Right? Who, who am I chasing? And we're not going to show hands today. There's no altar call. But I just want you to ask yourself in your heart this morning, because it's easy to, to slip in that, who am I chasing this morning? Who am I serving? Who am I really pursuing? Who am I really after? A tale of two kings. Do I love God or do I love money? And where does that, where does that go? For me, Matthew 6 always rings so true. Jesus says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you're going to wear. Life's more than food. The body's more than clothes. Look at the birds. You know, he's like, they don't reap or sow, and God takes care of them. You know, here's how I know where my heart starts to slip. I start worrying all the time about money. You know, now I was six years old when my parents started crying, and they told me we think we might lose the house. Now, that hits a six-year-old really hard. Can I be honest? When I start dealing with money sometimes, it takes me all the way back to that six-year-old kid who saw his parents cry. Now, thank God we didn't lose the house, but I watched my dad. My dad never had the opportunity to go to college. We're from the country originally, right? And my dad is a hard-working dude. I mean, my dad will outwork anybody. Like, he just works so hard. But he never went to college. He grew up on a farm. He worked the farm. His dad, unfortunately, like they lost the farm. It was very traumatic for him. And so he starts doing odd jobs. He becomes a manager at a Wendy's, and he's running a Wendy's. My dad's like, I don't know if I want to be a manager at Wendy's for the rest of my life. So he starts out, and he wants to be in sales. And so he wants to do financial planning and insurance sales and all these things, which is awesome, except when you're the new guy, nobody wants to work with you. Who's going to give you a million dollars to work with when you're just starting out and you came from Wendy's, right? 
I mean, he really started from zero, started from the bottom. And I remember those years, I mean, there was like no money. There were times neighbors would come in and drop off groceries, and we were grateful because we had no food to eat. There were actually mice on our couch. We had to throw our couch out. So I grew up. It was interesting. I grew up when I was younger, and, like, I didn't realize it at the time because you're just a kid. You're having fun. I mean, if I had hot dogs and mac and cheese, I was like, it was a good day, right? Like, I was like, yo, it's a party, and I'm outside playing. I didn't realize I'm growing up in poverty. I, I didn't realize that. And so then years go by. My dad's working hard. I remember he was working 12, 13, 14 hours a day. I mean, I would get up in the morning. He'd be gone. I'd go to bed. He'd still be out working. And there was a season in my life I rarely saw my dad. As an adult now, I'm grateful, and it kind of hurts me. Because at the time, when I was a kid, I was kind of mad at him for being gone all the time. If I'm just being honest, as an adult, I realized he was doing everything he could possibly do to try to provide food on the table. You know? But I remember that, man. When I was six years old, and they were like, we're going to lose the house. We don't know what we're going to do. That hits you. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to bet you have some kind of traumatic financial money thing somewhere in your life. I'm willing to bet some of you have dealt with money in a way that's like, it's painful, Pastor. It, and I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't like, you know, it, it hurts sometimes. And it's funny for me, anytime I realize I start letting worry just get the best of me, or I start thinking all about the money, or I just get frustrated and get overwhelmed, this worry starts kicking in, and I realize quickly, God, I'm giving more power to money than I am to you. I'm putting more faith and money than I am you because you told me to trust you, not to trust money. And I realized, wait a minute, I'm moving money as a resource and I'm making money a source. And I realized I can never make money a source because he is the source of life and love and provision. Money's a resource. Some of you, I'm gonna help you out your job. Guess what that is? It's a resource. God is the source. Can God give you a better job? Of course. Can he give you a job? Yeah. Can he give you a new job? Yeah. God can't work eight hours of an honest work day for you. you got to do that yourself, okay? God can't read the book for you. you gotta, you got to read the book. I like this tweet. It said, listen, God will feed the birds, but he doesn't put the worms in the nest. I mean, we got to do something, okay? we got to get busy somewhere. I'm going to talk about work in a couple weeks and how it impacts our, our financial well-being. Um, but I just want to start today and just challenge us. Is money the source or is it the resource? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Where's that trust at? Where's that faith at? And for me, when I get overwhelmed, I realize I'm making money the source, and I've stopped trusting Jesus. I'm starting to trust money, okay? All right, let me, let me go on a little bit here. Here's the other struggle that's going on in your heart, okay? So there's the struggle of trust. There's the struggle of worry. There's the struggle of, do I love God? Do I love money? Do I trust God? Do I trust money? You know, who's my source? Where am I at in my heart? What am I chasing today? The other tale, I think, of two kings that's going on in our heart, right, is who is the owner of your money? Who's the owner of your life? Is it you or is it God? Nobody's going to like this part, okay? So let me pastor. Let me dig in a little bit, okay? Who owns your resources? Who owns your life? Is it God or is it you? Now, I know you are all sanctified Christians here today. And so you know that the correct answer on paper is, well, of course, pastor, I've given my life to Jesus. It's God. God owns my life, right? We would all say that. If I opened your bank statements, can I see it? If I looked at your bank statements, your bank statement is the financial story you tell. It tells me, oh, we're not going to do this. We're not that kind of church. Okay, you don't have to be sweating this morning, okay? 
but your bank statement tells me what's actually important to you. It tells me what's important to you. That's what your bank statements tell me. This is what matters to you because this is where you're willing to put your money where your mouth is at. You can tell me you love something, but until I see it on the bank statements, it's not real. It's not real. It hasn't brought into reality yet, right? It's, it's not there, okay? And if you look at my bank statements, you're like, wow, Pastor Matt really loves going to Publix. <laughs> you know, like feeding my four kids, man. Like it's, it's way more than I want it to be, okay? So what does is, what is your financial story tell you? If we could look at your bank statements, is there any evidence you love Jesus at all? Is there any evidence? If I look at your bank statements, is there any conviction that you're a Christian in there at all? Is there signs of generosity and giving and life? Is there any sign that God owns your life and owns your money? Now, we all would say, of course God owns my life and he owns 100% of my money. But then if I looked at reality and we saw it, does it match? Does it connect? Psalms 50, I love this. This is God talking to his people. He said, I have no need of a bull from your stall or the goats in your pens, for every animal in the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not even tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Christians believe in this wild concept called stewardship. This is fundamental Christianity 101. God is the owner of me and my life, the world, everything that's in it. I can never even give back to him anything that's original. It's all been given to me first by him. The mind that he gave me, he gave to me. The body that he gave me, he gave to me. The resources you put in my hand, he gave it all originated from him. There's nothing I have. I have no original thought that God's like, wow, that's amazing. I never thought of that before. I, never, I don't have anything to give that he didn't first give me. God is the owner of everything. God does not need my resources. He doesn't even really necessarily need me, right? I mean, I'm grateful that he uses us and sends us to do awesome things, but he doesn't need me. God doesn't need you, but I need God. You need God, right? He's the owner of everything. We believe in this wild concept called stewardship. In other words, God, you've given me resources, and I'm not the owner of it, but I steward it. Probably the best way for me to give you an example of this is God is the owner of the house. We're the renters. We're the renters, okay? So if you've ever rented a property out before, okay, and somebody trashed your place, how did that feel? Not so good, right? Maybe you're the renter that's doing the trashing. I don't know, okay? But I remember one time we rented our house out in Oklahoma, and we had somebody came in. We said, no animals. Guess what they did? They brought a dog, you know? And they, like, put a hole in a wall. I'm like, how did you put a hole in the wall? You're playing, like, tackle football on the inside of the house. Like, it really stressed us out, right? So there's dog scratches everywhere. We said no smoking. They smoked, right? So, like, all these things. And I'm like, they trashed my house, man. I'm the owner. Like, I've got to pick up the pieces, right? Like, I'm frustrated, right? They're the renters, okay? You and I are stewards of our life. We're not the owner of our life. And once you know Jesus, it's kind of even at a greater level because you're like, yo, Jesus, I've given you my entire life. I've received your life, and now the life I live is in Christ and God. Like, you truly, like, I've come to recognize you're the owner. I'm the steward. I'm the caretaker. I'm the renter of my life and my resources. Now, I don't want to scare nobody today, 
but I do want to put this thought on the inside of you. This is the reality of what's happening in your life right now. Because most of us in the Western world, we believe we're the owner of everything. We really do. Who are you to tell me nothing? You know, like, wait, I want my rights. Like, we're the owners. In the Western world, we roll around like we are the owners, right? Okay? Like, we just do, right? Like, if we don't like the president, they're not my president. Like, no matter what side you're on, right? Like, we're the owners. We're the boss. We're the CEO. Like, you, you know, you didn't fire me. I quit. Like, we just got this thing about us. Like, we are the owner, okay? And that's awesome. But if God is the owner, then we are the stewards. Listen to what it says in in Romans 14. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. One day you will stand before God. You won't stand before me. You won't stand before this church. One day you will stand before God and you will say, God, here's what I did with the resources that you gave me. The question I have for you is, will God be pleased with how you're managing his resources today? Is he pleased with the way that you're living your life? Is he pleased with the way that you're stewarding your life, your resources, your business, your career? Or would he take issue? If you could think about that moment this morning in your head, and you're with God, and you're looking at all the resources, and God pulls out the bank statements, is he pleased Or is he discouraged? Does he get to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or you should probably go back. We had a lot to work on. You know, I don't know. Like, like where does that moment look like? This is not a condemning message today, but I do want it to be a challenging message for a lot of us today. What are you doing with what God has placed in your hands? Amen? A few questions as as I I roll out a tale tale of two kings, right? So I, I want us to leave this morning with a sense of, God, you're the owner we're the steward, you know, and I want us to leave with a sense, too, of God, if you're the owner, which is also exciting, that means the pressure is off of me. And what I mean by that is a renter, when the fridge breaks down, that's not on the renter, that's on the owner. I can't tell you how many times in my life I'm like, God, I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. And if something doesn't quite match up, I'm like, Jesus, that's on you. Because you told me not to worry about it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give everything I can. I'm going to do my very best. If you give me an instruction, then yeah, it's my my job to be obedient to that. But the pressure of life, the pressure of providing, the pressure of growing a business or a career or a church or anything that you're doing or, you know, climbing your corporate ladder, whatever it is, guess what? If he's the owner, then the pressure is on the owner, not the steward. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You just got to get busy doing what he told you to do and maximizing and using his wisdom and going for it. But the pressure of providing and making it happen, well, that's his job. Guess what, guys? Obedience is our job. Outcome is his job. So today, can I take some worry off of you? Can I take some pressure off of you, dads? Can I take some pressure off of you guys? Man, scaling your life, that's his job, not my job. My job is to listen, give it everything I got, and obey, and I'm going to let him figure out how to make it happen. Amen? Come on, can I just help you out a little bit this morning? Take the pressure off of yourself. Some of you are acting like you're the owner. You're not. Take that hat off. You're the steward. Let him take care of it. You got something you can't conquer? Hey, God, you're the owner. You're the owner of this life, not me. I'm the steward. I'll give it everything I got, but the pressure's on you. I can't carry it anyway. That's why the Bible says cast your care on him. Why? He's the owner. Hey, the fridge is broken. Hey, owner, help me out. It's broken. Help me out. It's, I know it's an intro message, but these two fundamentals we have to get right to go on. Do I trust Jesus? 
Or do I trust money? Who's in charge? Who owns my life? Is it me or is it really God? Right? Who owns everything in my life? Am I the steward or am I the owner? And until we as believers get those couple things right, it's going to be hard to go on in a healthy way financially, okay? I hope today helped you. Let me, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today's word. I know it challenged me, and so I, I'm sure it challenged a lot of us. Uh, God, we want to do life by faith, not by worry, for sure. And God, we really do want to love you and not just love money. Uh, we don't, we don't want to live narcissistic financial lives, Jesus. We all need help here because it's so easy to do. And so, Father, help us become like you. You are generous. We need to become generous because we need to become like you and in all things. So, Father, I pray for everybody today. If there are people in here today that are struggling, they're having a hard time making it month to month, God, would you talk to them? Would you open doors? Would you give them a job? Would you give them a better job? Would you give them a raise? Lord, help them out Help them take the next step up. Father, if some of us in here today and we've just never even thought about the concept of stewardship, we're just rolling around like we're owning everything. God, would you deal with our heart? Help us see that we're the steward and you're the owner. God, would you help us choose humility today? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.